We've been in a series called the I Am Statements or I Am, discovering uh, who Jesus is through these seven statements in John's gospel and discovering more of who God is and who Jesus points us to how, God, to how we understand God. And, and these I Am Statements, providentially, I mean, we didn't know that we would be separated in this way, and we didn't know what would be happening in the world, but these I am statements, I think providentially, have been refreshingly relevant for us in this current situation. Think of Jesus saying, I am the bread, right? Think of I am the light when Jesus said that, or I am the gate. Or last weekend, we looked at um, John 10, where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, these statements that we're walking through, I think, demonstrate a hunger for something more than anything this world can offer us. Only Jesus is our bread and sustenance, our light, our revelation, a path, um, a shepherd to us. And, and it's, it's hard to notice, um, or hard not to notice this, that all, a lot of the things that we hold on to are, have been shaken, Right? The idea of money or wealth or politics or um, this, our securities or the ability to do things, um, you know, whatever it might mean, it seems like some of these things we like to hold on to have been shaken or are being shaken, and it feels like we don't know where to hold on to. And today's statement of Jesus, I think, is going to encourage you. It's found in John chapter 14. We're going to read 10 or 11 verses. If you got your Bibles, turn to it. If not, um, Jonathan is posting them on our comments section here. John 14.1 says this. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, uh, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, if you really knew me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And so, so Jesus answers, don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? And anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe in the evidence of the works themselves. I'm going to read two more verses. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Oh God, as we unpack these scriptures, as we look to them for truth and hope and life, God, would you captivate our hearts? Would you 
grab a hold of us. Would you speak to us in ways that my words can't reach? Uh, so I pray this in your name, God. Amen. Amen. Just, just think about this, this conversation. Just think about how it started. The disciples are probably uh, nervous, but Jesus says something to them. And I want you to imagine the disciples kind of like kids who have been promised something amazing. Have you ever, as you were growing up, your parents maybe promised you something so good, it was kind of like beyond understanding type of thing because you're a kid and you don't fully understand it. And I want you to imagine the disciples, kind of like kids who are being promised something that's beyond their wildest dreams. And in some ways, maybe, according, at least for them, maybe will solve all their problems. Because the backstory of this, if we read a couple of verses earlier, is that Jesus has been slowly letting them know about the suffering that would come that Jesus would suffer, that he would be betrayed, that he would eventually go to a cross, and that they too would participate in this suffering somehow. We know that the disciples would anticipate suffering even after the resurrection as they would be oppressed and marginalized as followers of Jesus. And, And I want you to think about this because the disciples are anxious. Jesus says specifically, don't let your hearts be troubled. Well, he wouldn't have said that if their hearts weren't troubled. He wouldn't have said that if they weren't anxious. And I I wonder right now if that's what you're feeling like. I know that I admitted on, I think it was Monday or Tuesday in our noontime check-in, that I was feeling anxious one night this week. Just was kind of thinking a lot of thoughts, a lot of unknown, a lot of uncertainties. And I think you feel a little bit of what the disciples might be feeling Not the exact same reason, but anxiety, maybe a troubled heart. And I want you to just think about the disciples for a second because their journey will include suffering. It will include the experience of seeing their Savior on a cross, eventual oppression from the empire. But here's Jesus' big point, and and this is what I want us to get today. Jesus' big point as he he speaks to them is is that there is something bigger than their trouble, there is something bigger than their problem. There is something bigger than their, uh, what the source of their anxiety or what they think will cause them anxiety. In fact, there's something that Jesus is telling them in this passage that is even beyond the cross, that is influenced by the resurrection, but is beyond the moment of the resurrection. And Jesus alludes to the Father's house Right at the beginning, he says, my father's house has many rooms. He's, he's promising them something that they know a little bit of but don't know the fullness of. Traditionally, when we read this text, we automatically think of heaven, a place where people go to when they die if they believe in Jesus. And part of that is in this text, but I want you to think about the Jewish symbolism here When Jesus says the Father's house, a Jew, like some of the disciples, would have thought to the temple. And they traditionally believed that the temple was a place where heaven and earth met, where heaven and earth collided. It wasn't necessarily just a place where you went to, and it wasn't just a future place you went to down the road. In fact, the future that God entails for us and the Father's house that Jesus is working at making available for us is God's space and our space colliding. 
what the Jews originally believed to see just a glimpse of in the temple, which was never meant to be ongoing forever. Jesus would fulfill that, and the resurrection in God's future would fulfill that. See, when, God, when Jesus says the Father's house and this future preparation, it's the fullness of God's presence and purpose that will fill everything one day. You can read the last pages of the Bible where Jesus promises a new Jerusalem, a new heaven, a new earth, where God's glory and God's presence fills everything. And I want you to imagine that as Jesus is beginning to kind of paint this beautiful picture beyond the problems of the disciples, in a sense what he is saying is this, in the middle of their troubles, Jesus points them to a tremendous future. We can just say that personally. In the middle of our troubles, Jesus points us to a tremendous future, right? Because there's a bigger arch, there's a bigger story that God is writing and that God is fulfilling. And for the disciples, as well as for us, it does not mean that we will have a life void of pain. It doesn't mean that we will never be sick. It doesn't mean that we will never find struggle. It doesn't mean that we will never be oppressed. The disciples would walk through suffering both when Jesus dies on the cross and later as they faithfully follow him in a society that would be against him. But they would also feel human struggle and trial, as we do. This text doesn't promise us that we're safe from COVID-19. This text doesn't promise us that none of us will get sick, that none of us will lose a job, that none of us will go through a trial in the next month or so. It doesn't promise us that. But it does say that promise us that there is a life with a future hope in view. That though we can be in the middle of a troubled heart, Jesus offers us and points us to a tremendous future. And it's amazing because the disciples, as Jesus is telling them those words, like they're not reading it, he's telling them, they are confused, they are doubting. Thomas says, like, Lord, don't, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way if we don't know where we're going, right? Kind of reminds me about it, like, like when you're a kid and there's a big trip uh, planned, I was with my kids yesterday, and I was asking them if they remembered a time kind of like when we were going to be doing something or we promised them something or we were anticipating something. But really, in their mind as a kid, they, they had no clue how it, how it would all come together. And my daughter, Julia, who was singing with us today, she said that when she was younger, she, would, she, would, uh, she was kind of saying like she noticed Franca and I, my wife and I, like preparing for the trip, planning for the trip, packing for the trip. Uh, anticipating our itinerary, how we would get there if it was a drive, and all that kind of stuff. And Julia said, you know, I, I remember thinking, like, I had no clue how this would all come together. And she looks back now, now she's a teenager, she looks back, she's like, I didn't realize that you guys had all this stuff planned. I just went along with it. You know, when a kid is promised that they're going to go to Disney, they don't really know how they're going to get there. Now, you get some inquisitive kids, and I know there's some inquisitive kids in our church community. Um, I'm thinking Sam Eason would probably ask this question if he's listening, but like, you know, I'm sure some of the inquisitive kids would be like, uh, Mom, Dad, like, how are we going to get there? Exactly how far is Florida? Where is it? Uh, can you show me the highway? Are we going to meet anybody along the way? What car are we taking? Are we flying? Uh, there are some inquisitive kids that are going to say, show me, kind of like, like Thomas, 
Thomas is like, I don't, I don't know, Jesus. Like, I don't know where you're going, so if I don't know, then how are we going to know the way? And Jesus tries to help them understand that this destiny, this destination is, is not a trip to a place. It's a person. It's a, it's a presence. It's God's very presence. It's not that we go far, far away to heaven somewhere one day. It's that Jesus promises us a future where God's presence and purpose are fully fulfilled. See, when, when Jesus uses the word Father, I want you to understand that part of it is, is, of course, the relationship he has with God the Father, and we do as well. But it's code for our relationship with God, the salvation and restoration that God has in store for all of humanity that he provided in Christ. That the kingdom, that God's kingdom that Jesus came announcing, the new creation that God promises. When we use the word heavenly father, it sums up all those things. And it also, I want you to know for you and me, all we ever want or need now and forever is in the father. All we ever want or need now and forever is in the father. And some of us are being shaken right now because in some ways, naturally as humans, we've held on to a bunch of things. And I want you to know right now, even today, this encourages us. Everything we ever want or need, now and forever, is in the Father. And Jesus says, I am the way to all of it because I am the way to the Father. That's his promise to us. Now, it's, it's interesting because even this is not the clearest answer. Like, okay, Jesus, I am the way. Could you be more specific? And Thomas actually asked the question too, but, but really it was the only answer they needed. When I was a kid, my dad, um, I used to hear my dad tell my mom this often because my mom tended to get worried about things, uh, when they were coming, how it would happen, would that be even possible? And my mom was a little bit anxious. She's a great person and I love her like crazy. But she would often be anxious about some things. And I would hear my dad say, her name was Maria, she was Joseph. They are Italian, although they weren't Catholic. I don't know why I'm saying that now, but I guess Mary and Joseph kind of feel like a very Italian Catholic name, but so funny that way. But he would say this, he would say, Maria, you don't have to worry. <laughs> she would get worried and anxious. And I'd often hear that phrase, Maria, you don't have to worry. You don't have to be anxious. It's going to be okay. And, and even as a kid, and maybe you have this experience, if you had a good dad, and I understand not everybody had the best dad, but, but I think a good and healthy dad, like you'd sometimes see your dad pay for stuff or plan stuff or have some future goals or take responsibility for some things. And as a kid, I remember looking back and feeling like wherever we were going, whatever we were doing, however we would get there, my dad was the way or my parents were the way. I really didn't have to know more than that as a kid. And I think that's in some way what Jesus is saying. is like, I am the way. You don't have to know much more than that. You know that I will get you there to God's presence, to God's future. See, Jesus is saying he is the only path you need to get all that God has for you. And that might sound arrogant. You know, Jesus is the only path. 
But you know what? If you really think about it, Jesus was one of the most humble people, though he had all the authority. He humbly served people. He humbly laid down his life. He humbly loved people. He was patient with God's plan. He wasn't arrogant at all. And yet, he is the only path to get you to all that God has in store for you. Now, Jesus tells the disciples in verse 4, and I think we need to hear this. He says, you know the way. You already know the way. See, the disciples, and maybe like you or me, some of us at least, that have been following Christ for a while, but the disciples specifically, they already heard Jesus. They heard Jesus announce the kingdom. They heard Jesus' invitation to follow him. They saw Jesus demonstrate God's kingdom through healings and incredible actions and supernatural things. They heard him teach with authority. They saw him live out the values of the kingdom, the love and generosity and grace and power of God's kingdom. They already knew the way. Jesus says you know the way already because you know me and he says i am the way to the father's house i am the way to you experiencing heaven and earth colliding god's presence and our presence uniting a glimpse of that right now in the present tense as we follow jesus but the fullness of that in the future now here's kind of three ways briefly that Jesus is the way. And um, so he says he's the way, right? And that's the primary way of saying that. He is the way. When we say the way, we mean that Jesus is the path or the direction or he's the means to experience relationship and restoration from God. He is the path, the means, the way. I'll say it this way. In Christ, we find the path to God. We find the path to what God wants to do in our lives. Now, truth and life complement that. It's not that it's way, truth, life, that they're all separate. He is the way, but he's also truth and life that complement what it means that he's the way. The, The fact that he's the truth is he's revelation. He's not just direction. He's revelation. He reveals to us who God is. So not only can we say in Christ we find the path to God, in Christ we know who God is because Jesus shows us, he reveals God's truth to us. said it a couple of weeks ago in our series that he, he fulfills all truth. So Jesus is God's word. Jesus is God's truth. Jesus is God's message. Jesus is God's invitation to us. He is the way and he is the truth. His revelation. But he's also life. What does that mean? It means that he is, he sustains us, but he also forms us. So it's direction, it's revelation, and it's formation. In other words, in Christ, we understand how to live the life God gives us. Jesus forms us into this life that God has in store for us. When we look at God and we look at the life he has for us, we say, how can I possibly live that? And Jesus invites us. He's like, I'll show you the way. Be my apprentice. Be my disciple. And I will not only show you, I will empower you. So in Christ, we walk the way, right? In Christ is the path. Christ is the knowledge the truth, the revelation, and Christ is the formation. We walk the path. So let me say it in these three ways. He's the path, he reveals the path, and he empowers us to walk the path. And that is so beautiful. 
And I think no matter who you are, um, no matter how long you've been following Christ, or maybe if you're just tuning in today for the first time, the longing of the human heart, I think, resonates with what Jesus is telling us right now. The longing of the human heart longs for a way, longs for a truth, longs for a life. And it's very possible that there's other things in this world that have a little bit of overlap with some of the things that Jesus says. But ultimately, Jesus gets us to the pinnacle of who God is and a relationship with God and God's future for us. And your, the longing of your human heart and my human heart is to find a way, a truth, and a life. And Jesus says, I am that way. I am that truth. I am that life. And, you know, it starts with just belief. Many of us have already put our trust in Christ. We can say we believe in him. Well, I want you to think about this because, see, if you know Christ, then you know the way towards God's promised future. You know the way because you know him. Jesus said that if you know me, you know the way. Well, you know the way if you know him. Know Jesus and you know God. Know Jesus and you know the way. Believe in him and you will experience God's fullness both now and into eternity. Six times in this text, Jesus uses the word belief or believe. It's jammed into this conversation. In fact, it's jammed into John's gospel, right? First chapter, you know, like those who uh, receive him and believe in him. Um, will come to know him. Or John 3.16, famous verse, you know, God so loved the world that whoever believes in his only son will not perish but have eternal life. Here, belief is just jammed into this conversation. He says, believe in me and also in God. He says, believe that I and God are one. He says, believe everything I've done. You've seen it. And then he says, believe and you will see even greater works than these. So here's my question to you especially if you're just exploring Christ, would you believe today? Would you just pause for a moment and say, and ask the question, do I trust, can I trust Jesus? Well, I know you can. Will you trust Jesus? Will you believe that he's the way, the truth, and the life? And he promises, when you believe, you will come to know him and come into a relationship with his father. Let me end with this. Because um, if, if this is you today, uh, we're going to take a moment and pray afterwards because I want to invite you to process this a little bit. But let me, let me say this to everybody who's watching because it doesn't matter who you are, what your circumstances are. When the disciples were paralyzed by fear and worry, by confusion and concern, Jesus reminds them this. In fact, literally in the, in the original language, the first phrases of this text in verse 1 and 2 Literally, it's like Jesus is saying, stop worrying, right? He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let yourselves get carried away by worry. But literally, it's like he's saying, stop worrying. So I want you to hear that today. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Stop worrying. And here's the reason why he says that, because the next thing he says, and literally you could read it this way, don't stop believing. Stop worrying, 
Don't stop believing. We need to hear that in this moment. Stop worrying. Don't stop believing. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in me and also in God. And that is so refreshing in the middle of the current moment that our society is walking through right now. There are so many unknowns, and that's okay. There's so many things we don't know fully. We don't know what tomorrow will hold. We don't know what the next few weeks might look like. We don't know when we're going to come back together and, and, and worship and gather in this space. We don't know when we're going to see each other physically present. I don't know. But it's refreshing in the middle of this moment to hear these words, stop worrying, don't stop believing. See, you and I, we are meant, in fact, we're created in God's image to be new creation people. We're, we're meant to have a promised future. And when we come to believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, he's saying, you, this is promised for you. Jesus is our way into the future. And Jesus is our way right now in the present. So if you need to hear these words today, stop worrying. Don't stop believing. I can hear my dad saying, Maria, stop worrying. I want you to hear Jesus telling you. Alex, Janice, Daria, Amy, Natalia, Jared, Sam, Ava, Flavia. She texted me while we were doing this to say hi. Stop worrying. Don't stop believing. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you right now. Thank you for this amazing promise. Thank you that you have shown us in Jesus. He inaugurated your kingdom. Your kingdom broke through our world in Christ. We already saw a glimpse of heaven and earth colliding. We see a glimpse of heaven and earth colliding through the miracles of Jesus, the words of Jesus, the authority of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus. We see it, God, in the works of your Holy Spirit through your church over history. And we can say we've seen glimpses of it and experienced glimpses of it as we experience you. And God, thank you that you have an even greater promised future for us, that one day heaven and earth will fully collide and your space and our space will be one, and we will come to know you in all of your fullness and your purpose and your presence. There will be no more tear or crying or pain. Thank you that that is our future, that though our hearts might be troubled today, you point us to a tremendous future. And I just pray for each of us right now that we would be able to hang on to that truth. And I pray, God, for some that are watching today Lord, I believe that there's a cry in some of their hearts saying, I want to know Jesus the way he describes it in this passage. Oh, God, would you give them the courage and strength, enable them to see you for who you are and see Christ, your son, the crucified and resurrected Lord and Savior. God, that they can put their belief in him 
And if that's you right now, and you're just putting your faith in Christ right now, and putting your trust in him, we just, we want to encourage you and pray for you. God, bring us closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.